Waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. Welcome to The Standard. The Standard is on a mission to champion the pursuit of excellence and fight against the celebration of mediocrity. For those who refuse to lower their standards, for those who can't raise their own, this is The Standard. For fitness, for family, for life. Another great, short, sweet quote by Marcus Aurelius. I like it. Yeah, really cuts to the <laughs> cuts yeah, to no, the problem because no bullshit. Oh, especially it is. especially right now, we're dealing with a almost inability to talk about this stuff. Yeah, it became an I think an attack on say the ma- some of the masculine traits of man, and then. There's and just then a it's weird thing a little about taboo too to like thing, be one to say you want to be one. It's just a weird thing about gender, right? Yeah, now. you know, I mean, all over the place. You know, like even what does it mean to be a woman too, right? Like those are questions that it's almost like we can't even it's like ask. There's classifications. It's like, well, you can be this type of woman or this type of woman or the, you know. Yeah. I think same thing. You can be this type of man or this type of man. Like you're either, you know, a toxic male that is going this route or you agree with some things that are happening socially, you know, and you, you know, it's like you get labeled one thing one way or another. And let's just I don't think it's of, as simple as that. Let's just talk about what it means just for, just to us. And this, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. It should be different for everybody. Hell right? yeah. I mean, that's cool. Whatever. Well, it's, it just goes back to like, what, what's the right type of person to be? Well, you. Well, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, be you. Exactly. Yeah, we talked but about that before. I think this was uh, we talked about this on shift the other day, and it's been an interesting introspection to have of like, what does it actually mean to me to be a man? I thought about it a little bit before we came on. I was like, okay, what are some things that I value in myself? You know, when I say like, I want to be a man, right? Like the end of the quote, it's like, okay, well, I want to provide for the family. That could be, you could be a provider at work too, provider of a safe place to grow and fail, right? Whatever it is, right? You got people that are new, you know, like new guy comes onto your crew, new guys in your office, whatever. Are you allowing them like do you are you confident enough to allow them to fail on your watch so they become like really great that's part of providing financially providing right so providing so i got a question on that one i have definitely fallen into the trap i know a lot of folks do of i need to provide so i'm gonna work my fucking ass off let me tell you a story so i think you're doing a little bit of it now too, which is, I, I think it's pretty cool. But kids get to be so. How old are your kids now? Uh, f- just turned five months and two. All right, I was like six months and three, and that whole financial provider thing hit me pretty good. And to this day, I think my wife and I still, she understands it. I understand her side. But I think if it were to happen again, she'd still feel this. It should have been done this way, and this should have been done that way. You know, I feel that way. But I mean, I 
was just working my tail off, right? Working my tail off. Almost, you know, whether it's side jobs, a bunch of overtime, whatever. Wasn't around as much as she would have liked. I wasn't off doing stupid shit, you know. I was either at home or I was working. But I was working a ton when she needed me more with the kids. But I was justifying it. And I thought this is what I need to do is I need to go provide. I need to make sure we have everything we need. And at that point in my professional life, you know, I wasn't making as much money as I wanted to. So right. I had to go out and make more. Right. You know, so it took more time to make probably less money than I do now. And that's normal, right? You progress in a career, you get older, you tend to make more money. Yeah. But I think you're doing it. To an extent right now, but you guys are definitely working together on a lot of your financial goals, but dude, you're doing a lot. I think having a a good balance of like, I also need to provide her with time and her with support when it comes to the kids as opposed to this kind of like, I think post-World War II, it was definitely post-industrial revolution it was it is this the man's job to provide the woman stays at home before that you know like even if you go way back to hunter gatherers everybody was part of it right like everybody was out there trying to be that provider role of okay we need shelter we need food i mean everybody was in on that post-industrial revolution it seems to have had this men are going to go out and do the work. And then the Stepford Stepford wife is at home doing X, Y, Z. And that could still work though. For some people. Yeah, exactly. For some people. I think that that model still works. Right. But then boom, world war two hit and women are brought into the more into the workforce and I go, fuck, I, not everyone's meant to stay at home and, and raise, you know, the, the nuclear family. And so, yeah, for some people that still does work, you know, in my situation, my wife is an entrepreneur, runs her own business. And my job as a provider is not just to bring in X amount of dollars. It's providing time for her to have her hustle. And so it's, uh, an interesting balance, but something to keep in mind is that you're providing does not it's not limited dollars no yeah. but like thank god what a what an awful existence that must be of like oh i'm just here to provide money and like that's it you know? yeah that's a good point you know if, if you get to a point where you feel like well shit they don't really care if i'm around they just they just need the money that that's that can be an empty place to be oh so, yeah yeah that's a good point well i think that's where men in the past were you know like they're going to come home. They're not going to be present fathers. They're not going to teach their, you know, their kids the necessary life goals. And so then, that goes into another thing, which I want to, well, about be a man provider, right? But a mentor, it's a big thing. You know, like a mentor role model, like you were just talking about. I think that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, but how many, I don't know. I don't know if I know any like men in my life 
who had just like, like a coach as a father, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not many out there. Hmm. I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think it's, I think it's a relative. So revered you, you, me, you know, like I have those, right. I have those coaches that I had seem to hold like a special place in a lot of, a lot of adult male, you know, their lives. I think it's because a lot of men grow up not having that in their own family. So when they finally see what, they finally see a authority figure that can balance discipline and compassion and drive and like all these traits that I feel like is the father's role. If you don't have that growing up, and you find a coach that has that, you're like, oh, that's what this but is. You're only getting to like. like a snippet of the coach's life. Yeah, but it you're could be seeing a dumpster fire at home, you know. But totally, but you're seeing it in action for maybe the first time in your life. So, how do you, as a father, become that coach-like figure? Then Ooh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out as we speak, because coaching your kid. Like literally coaching your yeah, kid. Yeah, I don't know how you do that, man. Because then after you, uh, you know, after you have tough conversations on the field, you got to drive home. Man, yeah, that's you're right. I mean, it's like many times you got to be like, okay, I'm I'm talking to you as your dad now, you know. Okay, now I'm talking to you as a coach. Yeah, that's a tough place for a kid to be with his dad coaching him. I think there's there's definitely some ups and upside to it. And there's some downsides to it for sure. So how do you, what kind of like attributes do you feel like you are trying to provide your son and daughter? Like when, as, as men, we're supposed to be providers. Like what do you feel like is an important cocktail to present to your family? How so? Well, it's, well, I think the normal hard line of, being a, a father has been like the staple for a long time of nothing but discipline. You're getting the belt. Uh, you know, you need to act right you, right now. I don't think that's, that's certainly not the way that I'm going about it. It doesn't necessarily work. I mean, it can work. It's like, you want to lead out of fear? No, that's a terrible place to lead from. But I've found over you know thir- almost 13 years of being a father man they do everything you do they watch what you do that's what they do you know okay so so what types of things are you trying to i'm mo- just watching i'm just watching what i do every day and making sure that that's what they see because that's ultimately what i think governs them every day like when nobody's around and they just they're them and they get to make decisions they do what we do as parents it's so important so what i guess what specific attributes do you try and model for them well how you deal with stress okay how you how you deal with conflict right the way you go through an argument with your wife is the way that your kids are going to go through an argument, you know. I think more importantly, the way that you make up that doing the, that in the front way of them. the way you 
like love your wife is the way right. your kids are going to love each other. Right. You know, the way you I think that's a really a key key component because teaching somebody how to be strong is just as important as teaching them how to love. You can't have a good well-rounded human without having like both of those those attributes. I think that's actually where that that toxic masculine side of people come from is that they were never taught how to love somebody or be compassionate or be empathetic. It's just, you need to be tough. Like that's it. That's what's important. And I think that's, there's still part of, you need to be tough. You got to be tough in this world. But you know, know what's interesting is that God bless their, or bless the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Right. You've heard that. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Well, meek in Greek is how they describe their warriors. Meek is not being soft. It's not being weak. It is the strong shall inherit the earth. And that has gotten lost on our society where there seems to be some virtue in being non-confrontational in being agreeable as opposed bordering, to bordering on being a victim. Oh that, yeah. I mean, you get points for being the one who is in the worst shape for the one who is the saddest for the one who is been affected the most, you know, totally. been, been, you know, targeted the most, whatever, you know, like now victim status is elevated to the same as hero status. Yeah, I mean, that... a lot less risk and work. Not to say that some people are victimized. We all know that. But if you want to be a victim, you're going to be a victim. Well, you, you, know? get, you get notoriety. The same notoriety you'd get from being really great at something. Same, same attention. Right? Sorry, say. same attention. Yeah. But you get to do it at no, really no cost of working hard and achieving anything. No big risk. Yeah, you just get it. Heroes risk a lot with no guarantee of actual reward. Yeah. Or say that notoriety, that attention, they don't even necessarily want it, right? That's that's what you'd say a hero is. But victims don't have to risk too much. Like we're talking about victim mindset, not you know, you're victim of a crime, one thing. You know, like you're a victim of somebody steals from you, somebody, you know, beats you up on the side of the street. You're a victim, right? That yeah. that's fair. But it's the I'm looking to be offended, I'm looking to be a victim, I'm you know, like to be slighted, to be put in this woe is me category. That victim mindset. That's a bad place to be. Like that's an, and it's also an easy place to be. Well, it's it's not a very sustainable place. Because someone's going to come break your record of who's got it the worst real quick. but Then you can just break it yourself. Well, again, you know, so I, I think there, it actually, there's no bottom. It's proving right now that it is somewhat <laughs> sustainable. But you need to keep keep up your, your victimness, you know, to out-victim the other person. But I, that is a, it's something that. Out-victim, I like that. <laughs> trying to out-victim me right yeah, now, trying, I got you. Um, it's something that is important for me to teach both my kids. That's a, I would agree with that. That's a huge thing is like, I, I tell my kids a ton, don't be the victim. Like you're being a victim right now. You know, don't be the victim. 
because feeling sorry for yourself is something that can produce very negative traits when it comes to your work ethic and your ability to persevere, you know, that type of stuff. If you are really good at feeling sorry for yourself and looking for that attention, that's going to get in the way of a lot of things, a lot of goals you want to accomplish in life. Yeah, it's that self-pity of, it's almost like an echo chamber of, I'm feeling bad, I'm sorry for myself, I get attention from it, okay, now I'm going to feel even worse for myself, I get even more attention feedback from loop it. there. Feedback right? loop, for sure. Yeah, there's a feedback loop there, just like, there's, there's also a feedback loop there, though, for, again, trying to go for, well, we're just use, use this, the wording example, going for that hero status. There's a feedback loop there. It's just, it's riskier for people. That's it may not happen, but I don't know when you, it goes back to enjoying the process. When you enjoy the process of working towards some of that, then it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it doesn't really do you, matter what, what, what actually comes back. How do you show that to your family? How do you show like... Like how do you that, teach that? It's your action, right? So I think just simply going to work consistently and not complaining about it is a big part, mm. whatever work is. So I'm a big fan of ranching lifestyle. Uh, it's funny because uh, I've been married just over 16 years. I think it's going to be 17 this year. Yeah. Okay. For the first 15 years of my marriage, I had no idea that my wife loved horses like she does so in the past two years i've gone from just like normal suburbia to i've got a trailer i've got two horse i own two horses <laughs> and i should say she owns them the kids ride all the time and so i've been around this western so like cowboy like ranching lifestyle I'm a big fan of it man because you know you talk about how do you teach that right how do you teach going after it it's that, you know, you go go to the stock show every year and you see these 12, 13-year-old kids just leading, like, cattle around, leading their stock I, I've around. I've seen and it. That's impressive. I've man. seen it in person. And your son, like, has total control over this 1,200-pound animal that's, and that's, that scares the app. And that's pretty cool. I, I can't necessarily take credit for that. That's my wife, right? Yeah. But they see that. I, I just – I'm around it more, right? Like, I, we went out to – national finals rodeo in in vegas like last month and you just like you're in the arena and you just you see the lifestyle in everybody come out you know like husbands take care of their wives the wives are are feminine but the wives are workers too you know and they want to be doted on like so the kids see how dad takes care of mom and how mom takes care of dad and it's that action. And then when it comes to working, you know, whatever it is, barn, ranch, whatever, they see how mom works, how dad works, and, and it's modeled. So how does it – it seems like – and I agree with you. I think part of being a man is making sure that your your wife's needs are met. Not like, oh, she's got to have – Nice car. She's got to have all that. I'm saying her emotional like, needs. Her emotional needs, yeah, yeah. right? She needs to feel desired. She needs to feel accomplished. I mean, she needs to be able. You need to be able to provide a space for them 
to achieve their own goals. And, you know, my, my mom is hands down the most religious person I ever met. Mine too, I think. And you still go to church? I don't. No. Um, but (laughs) Catholic. Oh yeah. I'm recovering Catholic. Me too. Um, she, uh, she says that the husband's job is to get their wife into heaven and the wife's job is to get the husband into heaven. And I took that as like, Oh my, my job as a husband is to make sure that you are living like the best version of your life. Like, how can I help that? And I feel like my wife is doing the same with me, but I think there's this, like that toxic part of being a man is like, Oh, your wife's telling you what to do. You're a pussy. Or, you know, oh, you're whipped, man, because you want to spend time with her and you care about her. And you know what I'm saying? Like, where's that delineation of, or or even is there one, of people thinking that they can't dote on their wives because it makes them weak? I think uh, it's tough for some people to do that but it probably goes back to how they saw their parents grow up, mm. you know. I'm I'm uh there's a lot of very desirable traits that uh, my father had when I was growing up, right? But it's a lot of the same stuff that I do I saw him do. Like what? I just he was he worked, man, he provided. Like when he was sick, he went to work. When he was tired, he went to work. He provided that he provided financially the best he could. Did he like come back and be like com- complain and no? Yeah, but I, I think I think I think for decades he hated his fucking job. I mean, but he, a, he just did it. When you work in a prison, yeah, <laughs> you're probably not going to love your job. Didn't like it, and yeah. so I take that and I try to model that for my kids. You know, yeah. Like, the we world love does our not jobs, stop. Though. Like that's one thing. The world does not stop because you you're you know, like your your nose is runny or you got a sore throat. Like you still gotta do things. Yeah. And already, I think because my kids saw that, like their world doesn't stop. Yeah, I mean they they feel kind of miserable at time, but they still do everything they normally do. Like I don't think they've had a day where they just sit in bed, you know, and because they're sick. They just go and you kind of trudge through the day, and I, that's what I learned from my dad. I think I passed it on to them. But he also just wasn't very affectionate, didn't hug much. I, I, He loved his kids, right? I mean, yeah, loves them, but just wasn't very good at showing it. And I'm not even that good, but I'm, I think I'm better than he is. And I, and I think my son, you know, going down the whole, like, male path, from granddad to father to son, I think my son is going to be even more like affectionate, uh, touchy, so to yeah. speak. You know, hugs and than I am, and I'm more than my dad. And I think that progression is a good thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, think about our grandfathers probably never got any affection from their parents or yeah. from their father. Yeah, and I think some people see that as a uh, there's a real sense of strength. Like I can't show the weakness of being affectionate. And I think that's pretty dangerous, man. I think it's a good part to, to show your kids that like 
you can hug them and you can tell them you love them. And I think that's, that's a big thing about being a dad that's probably changed over the past like half century. It doesn't make you weak to show love and to show affection. I mean, that is, it's not, that is, to be honest with you, I think it's a incredible sign of strength when I agree you can be in the middle of, I mean, take like an argument and be able to like show that, that physical love for somebody else. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. And that takes a lot of, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of strength sometimes to do that but it shows them that that's okay that's exactly what we should be doing it doesn't make you weak to be kind i mean to be honest like kindness is i think makes you way stronger than being able to show violence i mean that violence is relatively easy and i think that you know as an important part of being a man is the capability of violence i think that's important but to be able to control that capability, oh, right? When to apply it, the, when to not. That's the key, but you have to be able to... Regulate it. Regulate that, but you have to have it as well. I think that if all you have is kindness, that is, at least for me, that is not a very good thing. Yeah, that goes into another thing, protecting. Right. You got to be able to protect your family. That's a that's an important thing Uh when it comes to saying like being a man, I want to be able to protect, protect the ones I love the most. And that could mean protect them from people or influences that might derail, you know, their path. Yeah. But it, like you said, it could be, could be violent, could be violence based. And I think a, a fair amount of men that I know feel as though they're capable of extreme violence but have never been in a position where they've had to to do so. And I think one thing, and I guess I've learned this in jujitsu and from being a bouncer for a while, like bouncer. You like that? Who are you bouncing? The gin mill, dude. You know it's funny? I was a bouncer too. Were you really? <laughs> yeah. What bar were you a bouncer at? Uh so when I was going to school in Arizona, it was like this downtown Scottsdale bar. Yeah, I mean I oh God. Just wanted to be a, just wanted to work at the clubs. I mean, and I turned into a bouncer. I remember going in for a, an interview, like sit down with the guy, and it was just like this. I mean, in college, I was I was six four, like two ten, but I was pretty lanky, you know. I wasn't like two forty, two fifty, and I remember, uh, you know, applications sit down for an interview, and the guy first thing the guy does is like look me up and down, right? Like pretty much, you gonna be able to whoop some ass or not? Totally. And uh, I got the job anyways, but, it, you know, that's the beauty of being a bouncer. It's right. It's like one call and you got like 10 guys and you're fighting. Usually you're fighting drunk people and you're sober. So you got a pretty good advantage right there. But I think that job taught me a lot of things. One, I can, when when the time comes, I, I can make it happen. You can bounce. Yeah. But the other thing is how to avoid it. Right, like how to avoid conflict, how to de-escalate, how to, because after you're in a fight, right, and it doesn't go well, you don't want that to happen again. Like you know how how much it sucks to well, you see get other choked people out, to get hit to you see other people that get in fights and how they get worked, worked yeah. over, which also comes back to 
knowing when you should be getting in this fight or a fight in your families around, you know, like all the things that are at risk? Well, I think one thing, if you want to avoid them, you've had, you've had to have been in some situations where you can start to see some of the cues of this is about to go south, go south. I need to get out of this situation. That's a tough thing to learn. But once you know it, you're like, all right, this, I see this with the way this person's acting and I can't deescalate it anymore. We're just going to leave. Yeah. And that goes into another kind of topic, which is knowing when to like say no to stuff like that, because you realize I've got a shit ton more to lose than this fucking jackass. Totally. Like, you, like, okay. Especially if let's, your family's there. Let's run this through a decision tree, right? Uh, you're at a, at a bar with your family, um, you know, bar restaurant and some dudes being a real asshole and being, you know, say aggressive towards your wife or your kids. And you're like, all right, I got, I got two decisions. I can't deescalate this problem anymore. Okay. This guy's being a complete piece of shit. My decision one is to, you know, kindly just get up and the family will leave and, you know, we'll pay our bill. Or two, uh, I can be like, hey, you want to take this outside? If you take this outside and you end up like physically debilitating this human, you're going, you're going. So let me ask you this. You take it outside. What's a win then? Think about that. I'm just. Play, you should play sure. devil's advocate. What is a win? Well, the masculine macho part of me would be like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of this guy. And then what happened? What could probably potentially happen? Well, then I'm going to go to jail. And unless. <laughs> no, that's, that's it. Did, well, did you really win? Because now. There are some states that have mutual combatant laws where as long as both. I've, I've heard of that happening yeah. in Chicago when gangs are shooting at each other. It's mutual combatant. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as like both people were down, like the then you're smooth. But. What I just taught my my kids was that, hey, when you're in an argument with somebody, the first thing to do is physical violence. Like, that's not what I want. See, they aren't going to give a shit when you're in jail. <laughs> yeah. Or, right? And then, boom, and I lose You're not my around, job. you know? Yeah. Who knows how bad it could really get, but well, let's say he has the a... whole thing of like, so when I'm, a lot of times, and this happened this past fall, when I'm coaching, and you just deal with like, just jackasses on the field as coaches. Sometimes even umpires can be confrontational. And I know there's a huge issue with coaches being idiots too, right? The good videos. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like you, you go through this decision tree like you're talking about. And, like, man, I've got way more to lose by engaging this guy than he does. Right? I've got the ability to coach – the ability, my job could be at stake. I mean, you know, yeah. you do something stupid, or your relationship. You relate totally All, every, on every level. Yeah, you know. So I think that's. But here's the flip side of that, though, is that there are some times where you have more to lose, so you will be more violent. So someone comes into your home, and you are un. You've got to prepared to, to defend yourself, and there you're right. You lose. You could lose the Every, trust of everybody around you. You could lose your family, hundred percent. And so, again, there's this dichotomy of, 
having the capability of extreme violence, but knowing when to use it. And also, are you truly prepared for that? And I think to me, that's a huge part of, of being a man, being a, that protector, protector. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) having a real gauge of when to turn that on and when to not, but you can't, you can't turn it on in the moment. You need to practice and train. It has to be something you constantly think about too. You know, not like, only think about, but actually... If I'm like, in this situation, what would I do? Like, where is... These are lying in the sand moments, too, right. to an extent, on a personal level, on a, on, a, on, a, on a protector level. So we've got some more patrons to welcome to our Patreon. All these watchdogs have signed up. Uh, Greg Gibbons, Greg Wernick, and Brian Stark signed up uh, last week. And then this week, uh, Brandon Douglas, Colin Lawrence, and Alex Reckhammer signed up. Where? Reckhammer? Talk about it. That's that's a guy like... Savage. Oh, yeah. I can already tell, right? But, I mean, these guys, they get uh, that exclusive... Invite to be a part of the standard team on uh, Train to Win with Matt Chan. Discounts at our store. All the extra episodes and extra content we're putting out on the Patreon. So we're uh, definitely lucky to have them. Thanks for joining, guys. Look forward to interacting with you and forging that winning lifestyle. <laughs>